Higher Things thanks you for your support. Please continue to support the work we do with youth by going to our website at higherthings.org, clicking on support and donating securely through PayPal. Your gift helps us in our mission to support pastors, youth workers, and parents in daring our church's youth to be Lutheran. Hello and welcome to the Gospel Boldly podcast, where we confess with St. John that these things are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. We're your hosts. I'm Thomas Limke. And I am Pastor Eric Brown. And before we move on further on into the book of Acts, we're at Acts chapter 2. I do want to say what fun I and my youth group had at the Higher Things conference we went to this year. I'm guessing many of you who are listening are are probably well aware of of Higher Things conference schedule. But just in case for those of you who aren't aren't familiar or who haven't gone, uh, Higher Things will hold roughly now it's four conferences over the course of a summer where anywhere from 300 to 1,000 kids, depending on the size of the venue, will come and for three days – goes four days, like starts Tuesday afternoon through Friday afternoon. But for three full days, we'll gather for worship, for uh, learning, for times of fun and entertainment. And my, my kids had a blast. It was in many ways almost like a, a almost a trial run of college in the sense that you, you <laughs> stay in the dorms, you eat the cafeteria, you're going back and forth, you have different sections, uh, breakout sectionals that you can go to. So you get yourself to class and then you go have fun. They had a great time. So, and there was great worship, great preaching, which I appreciated because as a pastor, I generally don't get to hear sermons. So I I, I enjoy hearing good preaching. Great music. Uh, I had I took a took nine kids and four of them participated in either choirs or orchestras, which was kind of cool. And oh, so it it was a great time. It's definitely too late for this year's schedule. If you're not in, you're, you're you missed it. But do check your calendar and and try to pencil in next year in in July to hit one of the uh, the four higher things conferences. They will be held in Carbondale, Illinois, somewhere in Minnesota, just south of the the Twin Cities, Lawrence, Kansas, and Tacoma, Washington. And the theme is sanctified. I think I don't have that in front of me. I'm going off of memory, but it was good memory. Maybe so. Do uh, do consider uh, going on out, taking your youth to a higher things conference, and if your youth, bring it up to your uh, your your youth leader, your pastor, and suggest it. It's a great great time. So now, while we're talking about that, how did your session go? Um, I did a sectional on a <laughs> on um, a disappointing Holy Week. Basically, all the things that went on to uh, that led to Jesus' death. Um, it went well. Uh, unfortunately, just with the way the the thing had been set up, I don't think anyone knew where my room was at first. Oh dear! Uh, uh, it was it was in the basement of the main room or of the of the main area, and uh, and most of the other classes were a little bit further away. So I was kind of, I was kind of stuck out like a sore thumb. 
but but the folks who came seemed to have liked it and uh and 80% of the Canadians in attendance showed up to my my sectional. Now grant there were wow. only 5 Canadians so that means 4 of them showed up. But I'm like, yeah, yeah. I, I I don't know what our stats are, but we could be big in Canada. We should we should we should work on this cuz I <laughs> yeah, mean yeah. So I'll throw more A's in as I talk here. But but it went well, and, and one other thing for any pastors who might be listening, you can submit a uh, proposal for a breakout section, and basically you teach an hour Bible class on something. So it, it's fun, and and again, one of the things that is really nice about higher things is this is almost all done on a very, I don't want to say volunteer, because there are, are several full-time staff members, but but it's not a, a giant bureaucratic type of thing. A lot of it is pastors and youth leaders who just love their own specific youth and want to do something together with a bunch of other people. And so it, it's a very wonderful collaborative effort. So check it out. Sounds good, eh? All right. Um, All right. With that being said, let's go back, uh, not to the upcoming year, but rather go back almost 2000 years into the past and see what the results and the after effects of, uh, Peter's preaching at Pentecost were. So we're going to start in at Acts 2.42, unless you have any other Tom questions, Thomases. I almost said unless you have any other Thomases <laughs> questions. All right. Uh, none of the above. <laughs> All right. Well, dive on in then. Okay. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Now, I, I paused Thomas right away after one sentence. Thomas, mm -hmm. why do you think I would pause you after one sentence? I I will withhold judgment until I find out. <laughs> I'm pausing you because this is an incredibly dense and well-packed sentence. Uh, we have four things in here. They devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, mm -hmm. the breaking of bread and the prayers. Mm -hmm. Now, if I say the apostles' teaching, what do you think of? Well, I mean, they're going to be teaching what they heard from the lips of Christ, so Christ's teaching by proxy. Right. So what you have is is the proclamation of the word and preaching, all right? Ah, ah. Mm -hmm. Word mm -hmm. and preaching, okay. And then after that, the, the fellowship. Now, Thomas, what is fellowship? Uh, it is the congregation, the ecclesia, the called out ones who gather together to receive God's blessings, right? Specifically, koinonia often ends up being a word. That's the word for fellowship there. Often mm -hmm. ends up being a word for receiving the Lord's Supper. So this isn't, oh, okay. fellowship, we we sat around the parish hall and had jello after service. That, that That's not <laughs> what it, it, it's talking about. In fact, it, it really is referring to they went, they heard preaching, and they took the Lord's Supper together. Mm -hmm. It's the same structure as what we have. In fact, if you look in your hymnal, the beginning part of the service will be called, well, there's the preparatory service, which is a, a newer 200-year-old thing. But after that, you have the service of the word, beginning with the introit, which leads to the readings, and then the, the preaching, which should be apostolic, as in like anything I preach should be in line with what the apostles taught. Mm -hmm. And then after that, you have the service of the sacrament, which is where we come and we experience the fellowship of God being brought together into one body in his supper. Mm -hmm. All right. And that's brawled out again in the next part, the breaking of the bread and the prayers. Mm -hmm. Well, the breaking of the bread is another common term for the Lord's supper. Why? Right. Well, how do the words of institution begin? On the night in Windsor trade, our Lord took bread and when he had broken it, he gave thanks. 
Right. Yeah. All right. And then the prayers. One of the things that develops very quickly is that they had a normal ordered set of routine prayers that they would go over. Thomas, can you guess one of the the routine prayers that they had right away in the early church? That's a softball, the Lord's Prayer. Well, I mean, if we're going to, if this is the way the Lord taught us to pray, do you know another one that was routine? Hmm. The Magnificat, maybe? That's more of a song. Yeah. Simpler than Magnificat. Just three words in English, two words in Greek. I'm blanking. I don't know. One word that comes up as the title in our own liturgy today. The Kyrie. What Kyrie is Kyrie? Eleison. Kyrie eleison. Lord have mercy. Christ. Yeah. So, I mean, the, when, we, uh, when we deal with our, our liturgy, we are dealing with many things that are very, very old. And very mm-hmm. quickly, they start developing a, a, a common pattern. Now, it's not exactly identical because, you know... Well, you tinker with things a little bit over 2,000 years and translations and all that good stuff. But but that same pattern that when you go to church on Sunday morning, you are engaging in something very similar to the same pattern that they are already in Acts chapter 2. Mm-hmm. And part of this is because most of them were good Jewish people. Right, they 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 have a good Jewish background, and and what is one thing that that Jewish culture prizes? Order. Tradition, not well. no, not so much. Okay, yeah, that, that's fiddling around the roof. Uh, <laughs> look it up, Google it. Uh, they prize the idea of of order, order. Uh, in fact, if you've ever heard of the seder supper, that that seder means mm-hmm. order. Um, the way you say everything is okay in in modern Hebrew is you say hakol beseder, everything is in order. So they they like orderly worship. In fact, this is one of the things that comes up in 1 Corinthians when when Paul's addressing the 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 uh Corinthians and they're speaking of tongues, he, he's saying, "Yeah, you guys are getting a little disordered. This is this is not necessarily the, our, unlike some pagan chaos gods, our, the, the true god is a god of order." So, yeah. That makes sense? Definitely. So do you see how that was like really like really? Oh, Great, I've been to California. Do you see how that was really a dense verse there, that that one verse? For sure. All right, well, (laughs) let's carry on. Okay. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. All who and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. All right, just looking at that, um, what do you make of that whole idea of selling their possessions and, and sharing with all who have need? I guess they don't want to fall into the same error as the rich young ruler. Um, I mean, having all things in common, there's kind of a an implied equalizing effect, uh, a, almost a, a giant sharing economy of, you know, taking Thomas. care of one another. And Were they I, communists? I, I mean, oh. <laughs> I don't... No, Not well, quite. no, that, because communism is also a political yeah. system right. that it takes into account a lot of other things. What what this is describing is an overabundant flow of generosity and, and uh, an actual sharing of of love, a recognition that that 
if I have luxuries and the guy next to me is nothing, I shouldn't be worried about defending my luxuries, but rather making sure that my my guy ha- my my neighbor has stuff taken care of. Mm-hmm. And, and so what you see is really an outpouring of charity, an outpouring of of Christian love, of love that gives without thought of what one is getting in return. And so that ends up being the a demonstration of what Paul would later end up referring to as the fruits of the spirit, right? You, the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Do you say mm-hmm. that's all kind of flown out here? So definitely. All right. Well, do we want to finish? Yeah. Finish the chapter. Okay. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having fervor, having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now note this. Mm. You've just had this description of all the things that they're doing well. The, the apostles are teaching well, and the people are being generous, and they're doing all this great loving. And yet at the end, who added to their number day by day? Uh, the Lord. Now, this is, again, a very important teaching point. This, while it's called the Acts of the Apostles, the point is that God is active and at work through his church, that Christ Jesus is present working through the apostles, and indeed that Jesus is working through even the believers. Mm -hmm. And so what you have is a very astute and correct theological point that it's not primarily me, look at what I'm doing, I'm growing the church. No, no. No, God will grow his church. He may use you as his instrument, as his tool, but it's God who gives the growth, who accomplishes things. And so this is that that period of, look, things are going to go well. How long do you think that's going to last before there's troubles popping up in the church, Thomas? Until somebody who doesn't like it hears about it. Might be a few, might be an episode or two before we start getting to the the the, the troubles there and things. Yeah. But yeah, it, it happens. So let's go to break, and when we get back, we'll we'll do some backwards life type of stuff, and then carry on with Acts chapter three. All right. And we're back. I just hit the recording button, and I guess I could have let you bring us back in this time, like you always do, but for some reason I just opened my mouth and there it was. So we're back. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, sure. That's great. We'll we'll just just cut me off already. Now ask me questions and then cut me off again. We're we're <laughs> we're to the show part of the show where we're gonna do the backwards live. Hey, we hit a backwards opening. Woohoo! All yep. right. Uh, yep. at, where, Par for the course. where Thomas will bring up some type of general Christian idea or something or other that gets tossed around in popular culture and will come at it from a different angle. So what do you have for us today, Thomas? Today, Pastor, I'd like you to talk about caring for your neighbor's bodily needs. We kind of got that a little bit in the last section. For that matter, we kind of talked about bodily needs in terms of sleep deprivation a little bit during the break. So I, I don't know of a good way to phrase it or, or grab it from popular culture in any specific ways, other than just the general vague idea of, like you say, caring for one another's bodily needs. Would you speak to that? All right. Um, Often when we, I will come at it from a unique angle this morning, all right? Cool. Often when we think of bodily needs, 
we will default to the great giant issues of the day, uh-huh. like maybe healthcare, like maybe poverty, which which are all things, and then and then these will become political debates. How, how best should the government handle these issues? Da, 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 da. And often we'll have Christianity brought up in terms of our political debates. Uh, oh, Jesus would vote for the healthcare bill, or. Uh, well, Jesus said the poor will always be among you. So this idea to eliminate, you get, you get religion used as a tool for political discussion, right? Have you seen such things happen in your life? If you look Uh, on Facebook, you will see it (laughs) constantly. In fact, uh, a few weeks ago, I had a discussion with my, my Jewish atheist, uh, philosophy prof from, from college. He was trying to say, okay, we, the, the, the senator in, in my state is is a Christian and he's going to vote against health care. Someone has to tell him that as a Christian, he has to. And I was trying to explain, well, okay, there, there's there's two schools of thoughts on this and it's all political. Instead of looking at the care of your neighbor's body as a big, giant, macro, ginormous thing, think about just the normal, simple, everyday care that come, can come across. For example... Uh, Thomas, in seeing you today, could I tell that you were probably a little bit more tired? I'm sure that probably came through. <laughs> All right. Well, now, the fact that that I can tell that you're tired is going to impact slightly how I handle things. I'm I'm probably not going to pick on you as much if in, in the <laughs> uh, unless I think it will be good for the radio show and good for our other listeners. So then I might I might but. That's priority for sure. Right. So it's just, <laughs> if you know your neighbor's tired, check up on them. See how they're doing. I mean, it's not a, a ginormous thing. If if they they look a little, bleh, give them some encouragement. When we say care for their our neighbor and their bodily needs, we're not just talking about grandiose things, but rather your neighbor has a life and and their life is part of your own life. So, you know. See that they're they're handling their their situation well. See that they're getting along well. See, encourage them in their day by day living. So it okay. How how will I put this? Instead of looking at the grandiose, the epic, the the I'm going to cure society. No, I mean even just the the simple things for your immediate neighbors are good things. The 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 great little bits of encouragement that you can give are are well worth it. So so don't get caught up in just trying to do the the epic grand crusader type. This is how we'll fix all my neighbors. No no just just whatever neighbor you happen to come across. Be happy for their life too and take care of it. it it's not just massive political stuff. So all right, did that kind of make sense? I have no yeah. idea. That kind of rambled. That tracks and works for me. Hey, you're sleep deprived as well as I understand. So yeah, I, I've been fighting off a cold. It, it, it's fun. We, it's, we're, it's an object lesson in that case. We'll just tell our listeners that they need to have great on our lack of bodily needs being taken care of. Well, this is one of the. I, I, I turned this almost more into a political argument, but sure. Sometimes we can get so caught up in the large and the grandiose, the the overarching picture that we forget the specific needs of individuals. So you you Mm. know individuals, know people, and and accommodate them with with where they're at physically. And, you know, 
that that's not anything great or grandiose. No one's going to give you uh, an award for civic accomplishment or 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 cheer you on for you know being nice and helping out so and so with that little thing that they do. All right, that's but that's really where you live. That that is the heart of what having all things in common actually is. I think it's a matter of what Mikasa Sukasa, my house, your house. It, it, it's attending to someone's needs very quietly without pretense or without folderol or without hoopla. So mm-hmm. that makes sense. Makes sense to me. Yeah. Perfect. All right. All right. Are we ready to start chapter three? Ooh, Let's momentous do it. time. All right. Yeah. Start it. All right. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man came, sorry, and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. All right, so here, here's the setup. Guy is a beggar. He's lame. He can't support himself. But what does happen? How does he get there to, uh, to do his begging? He's carried. Yeah, that that's, that would almost be an example of caring for your neighbor and his bodily need. He, he can't work. He can't get to the place where he'd have to beg on his own. So you know what we'll do? We'll we'll, we'll give him a list. Uh, on our way to work, we can pick up John and drop him. Or I shouldn't use John as the random name. Uh, we'll we'll pick up Bob and we'll we'll drop Bob where where he can get the the alms that he lives by. So again, Our this pooling is, of the ancient world. Th- this is all a. a just a, a very simple, hands-on, kind of quiet way of, of taking care of each other. So, yeah. I mean, th- this this is this is how you cared for the poor. If you couldn't give them a lot of stuff on your own, you 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 put them in the way of people who probably had money. Because if you're going to the temple, hey, there will be some rich people. Someone will someone will help take care of you. All right, makes sense. Okay, uh, and Peter direct. <clears throat> Let's see. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he has to receive alms. Okay. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. All right. Do you see what was going on? The uh, the guy who was begging is just doing a, a general begging. Give alms, give alms. He sees Peter and John. Give alms. He's not really looking at specific people. Why not? Uh, Thomas, if you're asking general people in a crowd for for money, uh, if you eyeball them, does that tend to make them comfortable? No, not at all. No. So so basically he's doing the the unfocused look of, of and and just, you know, hoping someone will have pity on him. But then Peter says, hey, hey, dude, eyes here. Look, look over at us. We want, you, we want you to see what's going on. And then, I don't have money, but uh, get up and walk in the name of Jesus. Woohoo! All right. Now, uh, what's your reaction to that? Why does, why does Peter get his attention before he, he speaks healing? I guess maybe he wants him to know the source or wants him to know the who is channeling the source, in a, if I can use that terminology. I think it's more he wants to be clear that this is the power of Christ Jesus at work. So mm-hmm. so 
No, this is not just general from from about. This this is Christ Jesus of Nazareth at work. So, rise and walk. And what do you think is going to happen? I it's probably going to walk. Okay, well, <laughs> let, let, let's check and make sure that he does. Okay. Uh, and he took him by the hand, the right hand, and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk, and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Quick question. What's significant about entering the temple? Wait, say again? What's significant about entering the temple? Entering the temple? Oh, I, I mean, the first place he goes, kind of like the, the couple of lepers, uh, is to praise God as opposed to you know, run through the countryside or whatever else. Moreover, if you were lame or disfigured, were you allowed in that part of the temple? Oh, very, very good point. Absolutely not. This would have been his first time. Let's see, he was from birth, was it? Well, it doesn't say, does I don't it know say? if it says from birth, but but whatever. He, it he's does been, too. He says a man lame from birth what in, does it say in verse birth? two there. Yep. All right. So this would have been his first time in the temple. Right. And so, I mean, this is one where everyone... The point that he's from birth is, you know, everyone knows he's been lame. This is this isn't like a plant where it's like I've got Thomas laying down. Oh, I can't walk. And <laughs> oh, here, listen to the Gospel Boldly podcast, and you can walk. Hey, look, I can. Right. No, this isn't this isn't huckster thing. This is everyone knows. This is this is lame Bob who sits in front of the temple. All right, right. So any any leaps up and he goes into the temple for the first time, having having received from God mercy, then he can enter into God's presence. Oh, that. that That'll work. All right, and carry on. Okay. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and reckon. Did I already do this part? No. Keep going. That's terrible. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So you you get all the people amazed at this because remember the the... The authorities have put the kibosh on the whole Jesus thing, yep. and suddenly, hey, oh, they had that preaching, then, oh, there's that crazy Peter guy who had been filled with new wine on the Pentecost, or maybe not, or something, or, and then suddenly, okay, now we've got a healing going on again. This is, the, they were supposed to put all that stuff down, now it's flaring back up. What, what's going on with that? So, let's carry on on. Okay. While he clung to Peter and John... All the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us, as though by our own power or piety we made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and, <clears throat> and denied in the presence of Pilate, when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one, and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. All right, so think about how this is set up. How much time do we have before the break? About a minute and a half. Okay. We're, we're not going to get through this whole little section of sermon. But don't know how it is interesting. Peter, again, is preaching. We we think of Acts 2 as Peter's great sermon. Well, what do we see in Acts 3? Hey, Peter in the temple preaching again. Why? Sermons, well, because yeah. in the church, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. Do you see how this works? 
And note how Peter starts off. First of all, let, let's get this down straight. This is nothing to do with me, Peter. This is not, I am Peter and I am awesome. You had the guy who was, I, I am. You, you, you had the guy who could drop the I am stuff. That, that was Jesus of Nazareth. And you know what you did to him? He, he, you killed him. Yeah, you took the robbery. Remember that whole thing? So, so right away, this is not about me. This is about the power of God at work. Oh, and wait, it's still at work now, even though you killed Jesus. You thought you were going to get rid of him, but you can't stop the power of Christ Jesus. Oh, I think that can't might come up again. stop the signal, man. Ah, okay. Let's come after the break. And you know what? Even a break will not stop the, the power of preaching and all that good stuff. We'll come back to it in just a few moments on the Gospel Boldly Podcast. And we're back on the Gospel Boldly Podcast, where we are in the middle of a sermon by Peter in the temple in Acts chapter 3. And he, he begins his sermon with a bit of law, pointing out what? Ah, you killed Jesus. Realize what you did. <laughs> this is the, the servant of God, the, the Messiah, the Savior, and you killed him and decided to release a murderer. Um, and yet, by the power of this Jesus, by faith in his name, this dude born lame, he, he's walking now and he's in the temple now, in the presence of God, in the house of the Lord, by the power of Jesus. So, Let's pick up at verse 17. Okay. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as also, or as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. All right. Note the, the movement that he makes. Yeah, you did this. You did this in your ignorance. Now, uh, Thomas, uh, if I, in my ignorance, offend a mighty powerful person today, uh, does my ignorance end up being an excuse? I mean, ignorance of the law is no excuse is what you always hear in those cop shows. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, that that that, that does. And, and yet, Peter points out, no, God, God knew this. God, God knows you're ignorant. <laughs> and in fact, he, he accomplishes salvation for you in spite of and even through your own ignorance. Mm -hmm. Because it is in the death and resurrection of Christ Jesus that forgiveness is won. Therefore, yes, you've sinned. But it's not as though God had not planned for or had had an, uh, a solution, a, a refreshment for your sin already in place. It's not as though your sin suddenly cut off God and, oh, no, God can't do his stuff anymore. No, no. God knew you were sinful. And so on account of that, he sent Christ Jesus that you would be refreshed. In fact, he will send you Christ again ooh, ooh, through his word, through his preaching, through his supper. All right. So that you would be restored, that you would be forgiven. So so be turned away from your sin and ignorance and rather have the knowledge of Christ. Receive him. Be faithed. Be gospeled boldly. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> and 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 receive the great good things. And and as a reminder, uh, you know, 
this is what God told you of in the Old Testament, as Moses had said, carry on. Okay. Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. Now, quick question. Okay. Uh, where does Moses make this uh, pronouncement that, that God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers? I feel like it's Deuteronomy chapter 18, but it's the second giving of the law regardless. Right. It, right before they toward, go into the land. Towards the end of Moses' time. Yeah. Uh, so who is the first prophet to follow Moses? Would you count Joshua? I mean, he's the first yes. leader. Okay. Yes, Joshua is counted. Um, say, uh, how do you pronounce Joshua's name in, in Hebrew? Yeshua. Uh, say, uh, how do you pronounce Jesus's name in Hebrew? Yeshua. Right. So this, this is one of the things that we miss in English because uh, the way we get the names in, in English is basically Jesus comes to us from Greek, Hebrew into Greek into Latin into English. Mm-hmm. And the uh, Joshua comes basically just from Hebrew to Latin to to English. And you just have to do different things to transliterate names different ways. But Joshua and Jesus are the same exact name. Mm-hmm. So again, this is a doubling up of, of the point. And of course, the name Yeshua means the Lord saves. So it, it's all really driving to this. So you get this great... You're, you're getting the parallels, and the hearers would be able to pick up on this a little bit quicker than than we could. All right? Fair enough. All right, carry on. Okay. Uh, let's see. And all 24. the prophets... I'm sorry? Oh, 24. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and to those who came after him also proclaimed these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham... And in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every <clears throat> by turning every one of you from your wickedness. All right, this is some beautiful, beautiful stuff. First of all, look, the entirety of the prophets are always pointing to this Messiah who is going to come. He is going to come to you. In fact, you know what? Even before the prophets, you have the covenant with Abraham. And God says, in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Mm-hmm. And we get this point made later. Offspring, singular, the, the one guy. All the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. Even the Gentiles are going to be blessed by this Jesus, this Messiah. But you know what? God sent him to you guys first. You guys here are the first ones who get to hear of this Jesus. You see the plan of salvation come on out. And you know what? God raised up his servant and sent him to you first to bless you by what? By turning every one of you from your wickedness. Hey, uh, Thomas, I'm, I'm going to flip back just a little bit before. Mm-hmm. Uh, verse 19, Peter says, repent, therefore, and turn again. So, Thomas, is your repentance an action that you must do? If, if, if I call for you to repent, is that something that by your own reason and strength you repent and say, oh, yes, I've done wrong. I will make a, a common decision using logic and reason to say, yes, I will, I will believe in God. Or, like everything else, it's something that God accomplishes. Look at the last verse. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you, by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Mm-hmm. Who's doing the turning? God. God is. God 
this is one of the things where we really mean that God is the one who is active, that God takes us, that the Holy Spirit works when and where he wills, and he takes the word of God and brings us to repentance. So it really, do do you see how how this chapter is really focused on the activity of God? Mm -hmm, Very much. That this is not... This is not Jesus saying, well, I've done my part, and now it's up to you guys, so you guys can fill in the rest. Or, or <laughs> all right, Jesus has given us a fighting chance now. Now we can take the final hill and win our... No, this is... Look, God is active. Even though you have acted against him, even though you killed him, God is still active for you to turn you from wickedness, to bring you to salvation and life, to to make you inherit the promises that he has made of old. Which again shows the the great and wonderful mercies of God. So, all right. How much time do we have left in the segment today? Gosh, like uh, six and a half minutes. All right. I, I do want to ask you a question. Sure. All right. In the first three chapters of Acts, We've had two sermons from Peter. Anything you've noticed about both of those those sermons? Anything that stands out to you? Well, Peter's boldness, for one thing, mm-hmm. uh, in, in speaking, and the consistency of his preaching, that it is very, as we say in Lutheran circles, uh, Christ-centered, cross-focused. It I is Christ-centered, it's cross-focused, it's playing off of the Old Testament, which is the scriptures they would know, constantly saying, look, this is what God has said. You've learned all this stuff through your life. Here's the reality of it. It is an unfolding of, of what is actually going on, what, what is actually taught in the scriptures. And there is that, that beautiful boldness, not a boldness in Peter himself, but rather a boldness in, in Christ, mm-hmm. which is, a, again, a beautiful thing. So, the book of Acts should end there, and everyone's happy, and we all sing Kumbaya and go on, right? <laughs> of course. Oh, maybe not. Let's start Acts chapter 4 and, and see how things start to go sideways. Okay. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. Hey, weren't we just here a bit ago, you know, the, the temple people being really annoyed with, with Jesus and his preaching? We got them killed, and oh, great, now they're back again. Oh, his disciples are, okay, we'll arrest them. Now, they're willing to arrest G- uh, Peter and, and John straight out of the temple because they're not as freaked out by them as, as they were of Jesus. But even though they, they get arrested, you still have more and more people believing. The The word of God is efficacious. The Holy mm-hmm. Spirit is bringing people to faith. All right, let's carry on. Okay. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who, <clears throat> excuse me, and all who were of the high priestly family, and they, uh, and when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, "By what power or by what name did you do this?" Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, "Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good de- <clears throat> concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed?" 
Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. All right, I want you to think of a contrast. Were Peter and John together somewhere by Annas and Caiaphas? Oh, let's say uh, 55 days before. You would take. I mean, okay, we don't know exactly how quickly Acts chapter 3 happens after Pentecost. But but think about it. Just, just a few months before, most likely, you had Peter and John following John kind of gets on in so they can see what's going on with Jesus, but Peter doesn't right. go in. He stays out in the courtyard, deny, deny, deny. And right. now he's actually brought before. And what does he do again? Hey, Thomas, we just got a third sermon from Peter. Oh, you have a bunch of elders here? Well, since you want to examine us over a good deed that we did, which is kind of kind of a, a funny little, yeah, yeah. So since you're giving us the third degree because we healed a guy, um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, Jesus, you know, you, know, you, you crucified him. God raised him from the dead, and there's salvation. Oh, and again, don't worry about it. The salvation still is for you because this is all part of God's plan. He is the, the stone the, the, that is rejected by you, the builders. This was set up. Yeah, this is, how, this is how God told us. But now there's still a salvation even for you. In Christ Jesus. It's great. He he goes and tries to, he preaches the gospel to the very people who orchestrated Jesus' death. Because th- this is the power of God's salvation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Caiaphas, Anna, she, you're welcome. Come on in. Jesus died for you. Even at your hands, he died for you, man. That This is good. Do you see how this would have been just befuddling because it's because there is that accusation you you killed jesus but it's not and now he's going to come back and get you (laughs) (laughs) no no when jesus is raised from the dead he says peace and peter is taking that peace and proclaiming it even to annas and caiaphas which is a fantastic thing now um, I, I think, sadly, due to time restraints, we should probably end up pausing here. So we'll get more of the reaction here. But but think about this. In in four and a, three and a half chapters, we've gotten three sermons from Peter, and they're all focused on Christ crucified and risen from the dead to give you forgiveness, preached even to people who were actively involved in the death of Christ in the present. You know what? Christ took up your sins too, listener. And you know what? They are forgiven because he is raised from the dead. And that forgiveness is for you. Aha! Sound good? Sounds good. All right, I'm going to go let Thomas sleep now. Everyone have (laughs) a great day. Uh, If you're listening to this while driving, don't sleep till you get home. Otherwise, go get some rest. Enjoy the blessings of body and soul that God has given you. And rejoice in all these good things. Have a great day. 